Hello and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. Pastor George Stoll is back with us in this episode as we talk about the wounding of men and how to heal. So whether you're a man yourself or have a man in your life, we hope you find this episode inspiring and hopeful and know that you are never alone in your healing journey, no matter where you start. We hope you enjoy. Well, hello and welcome back to Searching Inward. Um, we are excited about this episode as we have um, our guest, George Stoll, again with us. And because uh, it's three guys sitting around a mic, we thought what a great topic would be to talk about men. And specifically, the title of this episode is The Wounding of Men and How to Heal. And we've talked a little bit about this in some of the previous episodes with shame. But with the three of us um, all sitting around, we wanted to kind of talk about you know, what are some of the things that our society does? Um, George, you mentioned in a previous episode with a coach, you know, I had a lot of coaching influence when I was younger um, that were very hard on me. So let's maybe start off, um, and George, maybe you can start because I know that, um, you know, you would consider yourself an emotionally intelligent, sensitive guy. Um, but a lot of this stuff that we're taught growing up is, um, for men especially, when it pertains to small groups, especially like probably the last place they want to go is a small group. And when you look at churches, they're mostly females. And when you go to these retreats or spiritual, whatever else, it's mostly females. And so, you know, I don't think God's plan is to leave men behind. So we want to have an open dialogue about what is some of that early wounding that men receive and then how can we heal it? So George, do you want to start with, you know, kind of what are some of the society's it may be even the church. You're a pastor. What are some of those things that we're raised um, as men that do more harm than good to uh, our involvement and who we really become? I think it starts with to heal from woundedness, you have to be able to acknowledge that you're wounded. Mm. And so um, there's something within the male ego that is unable to, to acknowledge those kinds of things. And on a deeply personal level for me, um, my, I had, my father died of cancer at a very young age mm. and, um, I had to, I had these emotions, these, uh, feelings of grief and a sense of loss that, mm. um, you know, about 12 years old that were very, um, powerful mm. and somewhere along the way, you know, I, I even remember just sitting in my room, just crying, mm. you know, uh, alone. Mm. And um, not really knowing what to do with that sadness. Mm. But somehow it seemed like in those experiences for me, even 12, 13 years old, where I just find myself in tears, there was always this moment in those tears where I felt comforted. Mm. And I began to learn that these feelings of vulnerability and sadness, if I went into them and you know I would allow tears to flow or I would feel them, um, I began to trust that there was a moment where that would produce some comfort mm. in my life. So I think I learned at a very young age that um, it's not wrong mm. to feel and to, you know, I was a wounded little boy, mm. had lost his father. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful for those early experiences of life that taught me no, don't, don't ignore your emotional life. You know, mm. don't bury that. Don't go on like nothing happened. Mm. Um, and then I, you know, I also encountered just, you know, the comfort of support of other people in mm. my life. And it was like, just being in touch that I had this wound helped me so much to go through the process of grief, mm. to learn what it meant to heal. And, um, you know, it's quite remarkable that I discovered that 
you know, um, certainly with the support of loving people in my life. Mm. But um, it all began just in a room being more comfortable with crying and mm. sadness and experiencing some kind of comfort that came along with that. So mm. at the end of the day, if you're going to deny that you're wounded in any way, there's no chance or no potential to heal. So it starts with mm. acknowledging some kind of pain or some kind of woundedness. Mm. That's beautiful. And I want to come to you, Scott, because I know that, um, you know, as a, as on the other side of George's background, it seems like we have similar backgrounds where we knew we had um, that in that intuitive, sensitive um, side of ourselves, but we were really taught over um, the early parts of our lives through authority figures, other peers as they get older, um, to kind of put those aside. And it reminds me of a Terrence Real quote. It's probably my favorite quote in one of the books that he read that I was recommended called I Don't Want to Talk About It. So that's a great book for any guys that are listening to the podcast. Um, but he says, to become a man is not to become anything. It's to, in regards to society standards, it's, it's to become a man is not to become anything. It's to take away certain aspects of yourself. And when he said that, I was like, that is so true because society celebrates men. And as men, we think women want this definition of a man. And we don't really take the time to ask, what does that even mean to develop into a man? And as many of us are taught, and George was fortunate, you know, to be able to express that, we we lose at a certain point, we start to lose some of the things that make us most special um, with our sensitive natures, with our uh, our emotions. And we're really told to stop feeling and to and to move in a different direction. So can you talk about that? Because I know that you've, you had an experience, it was opposite of George, where you were kind of brought into, this is what it means to be a, a man. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, I was just thinking about that a lot recently, you know, that you know, you can be in your 60s and you're still a boy, mm. you know, trying to become a man, mm. you know, and, and just emptying out again all the things that I learned and bought into mm. in my youth. You know, it, it really is, my, I had a really good dad, but it's just systemic yeah. in the society, schools, sports, just everything that was put in front of me. Um, this is what, you know, I mean, that was the John Wayne generation. You know, you just, this is, yeah. this is a man. Mm. Um, you don't show feelings. You're tough. You're strong. And I don't know. It's uh, a lot of, I think a lot of life on the second half is unlearning yeah. <laughs> what you, what you bought into in the first. As Richard Roy says, and following upward, that um, you realize the first half of your life, you were putting the ladder up on the wrong wall mm. you know mm. you know you kept trying to climb the ladder but you had it on against the completer and, and I look back at that and that's and that's what I've done I look at the things that have shaped me mm. uh, these were things that I learned mm. from in our society in our world and um, and then after 20 some years of doing small groups and working with men from those who are in ministry to doctors to lawyers to school teachers to coaches to athletes, all the way down to people who are in prison and have killed people and everybody in between all those men, it's like, it's the same, mm. you know, um, you know, the, the model. And that's why I think that when I learned about the divine mirror mm. and a secure attachment, um, how important that is that we have the divine mirror, like you and George would be, if I share with you my truth, mm. You guys, being empathetic listeners, 
present for me, would mirror back to me what I cannot see alone. Mm. And that the good qualities of Christ that uh, would need to be magnified, as, as, we, as I have learned, is that we are far more relational than we ever want to admit. Mm. I think when Rohr said that, and it just really made sense to me that, um, you know, I, I can't do it alone. Mm. And yet, instinctively, what I learned my whole life was you, to be a man, you, you, you'd go it alone. Yeah, absolutely. And you make your way. And, and so unlearning, to me, is, is as hard as learning. And sometimes maybe it's even harder, mm. you know, and to embrace it. So, you know, yeah, you know, my whole childhood, I knew that there was something different about me. I was extremely sensitive, mm. very tenderhearted. But at the same time, here I am playing football, boxing, you know, playing all the, you know, because I wanted to be tough, right. you know, and yeah. I wanted to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And, um, boy. The sad thing is, is that <clears throat> to be a person of vulnerability mm. takes greater strength. Yes. You know, like we don't often talk about words like vulnerability as involving courage right. and strength and, and character. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning more and more that words like gentleness, mm. it's not wussiness. Right. It's strength under control. It's a completely yes. different way of understanding power. Mm. And um, words like being merciful, mm. you know, um, these words involve great strength and mm. great inner strength of being. And um, so how these kinds of things get a less than or a weakness attached to them, mm. you know, is has become a mystery to me outside of the fact that it's just what culture teaches us mm -hmm. and they don't teach us any other way of strength and often the way of strength is to deny mm -hmm. you know to diminish to ignore mm -hmm. um and so um there's 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 different ways of understanding how um vulnerability involves perhaps the greatest kind of courage and the greatest kind of strength. And so we just need some more models of it. Mm. I want to talk about um, the second half of life because I don't know if that's a Carl Jung term. I know Richard Rohr talks about it. Individuation is another term where, um, and men and women all hit this. It's not something that, um, that is just, just a guy thing, but I, I find that um, I find that men typically hold on longer. <laughs> men will, men will, men will push through, much, much suffering and adversity before finally kind of relinquishing and saying, okay, something about this isn't working. And one of the things that I loved about what you said, Scott, is depression is anger turned inward. And I think that what ends up happening is if you're sold a bag of goods, that this is a man, this is what a man does, and then everybody around you is expecting you to fulfill that role. If you can't fulfill that role, instead of questioning it, the only way to turn is to turn ang anger inward. And I spent many years wondering, you know, what's going on? And then I didn't realize that I was starting to have that shame and starting to attack myself. And so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you've experienced in the second half of life. And, and, and for men that come, I mean, this is about restore small groups. So for men that eventually show up to small groups, what are some of those things that happen in their lives where they're like, okay, I got to get some help. Something, something's not right. The illusion of what it is to be a man and to be successful. And um, so in my new book, I was writing just this actually this week that um, 
this is this is the the process that I see now. Um, first is what we believe, mm. and that's about me. Mm. What I really believe about myself, um, the person I am, my strengths, my weaknesses, everything about me. What I really, really believe about myself, especially in light of how do I believe God sees me, mm. and then we move into seeing. Mm. So, because remember, we don't believe what we see. We see what we believe. Mm. Um, you know, interpretation. And so, what I believe is going to always influence how I see, which is, again, that's a, that's a definition of a paradigm. Mm. And so, how I see myself now mm. and see the world is huge. Mm. So if I believe this about myself, the inherent good in it, what Christ says about me, and then I see myself in that light, mm. then I become the man mm. that I truly am, my true self, my authentic self. I finally dropped the ego-driven false self, and I'm living freely. This is me. Mm. The truth sets you free. I mean, and and I, so I'm to be. And it's interesting, Covey says that being and character are inseparable. Mm. And so I realized that in the first half of my life, I wasn't all that concerned about character. Mm. Second half of life, it's all about character. Yeah, integrity. Mm. Which is the most powerful. Think of that, the word integration, mm. integrity, harmony. And then so from belief, I see, then I be, come, I be, and then I do. Mm. Everything I do now is different. Mm. But in the first half of life, it's all based on what I do, mm. and then that will affect, you know. How I believe about myself. The, wow. The, the being who I am. Yeah. And, and, it's the wrong order. Of it's, it's the yeah. wrong order. Mm. And that's, it's all of it. Think about it. What's the first thing we do when we meet somebody? What do, do you, you do? do? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially men. Mm. What do you do? Mm. And then as soon as you tell me your answer, I've already started to formulate. This is who you are. Yeah. And, and so we're, our whole first half, we're pursuing it, especially as men. We're going we're gonna to do marriage. We're mm. going to do, do a job. I'm going to do this in college. I'm, life is all about doing it. And all of a sudden you realize it has nothing to do with being. Mm. And the journey for me becoming transformed is I'm finally getting it. It's what I believe. Mm. And God is transforming that. I see myself and everything differently. Mm. I become different, mm. and I do everything different. Mm. It's almost like the the buttons that we're taught to turn off at an early age, which is compassion, vulnerability, openness. Right? A lot of times, it for me, it comes down to just being able to have a conversation with a friend. And knowing that I won't be judged for having that conversation with a friend. Whereas there's guy talk, you know, a lot of us find ourselves in guy talk and there's nothing wrong with this, but there's no connecting going on. There's no, Hey, this is what I feel. And it wasn't really until I met other people, um, that were, that were already there. And I think that's what a lot of men need is I don't want to call it a mentor, but you almost have to have someone that's, that's been through the process that says, you can trust this, you can trust this, you can trust this, because it does feel like you're losing an identity and, and you're not, but what you're, what you're doing is instead of adding more things, which is, I feel like so much of my early, um, development 
in the first half of life was about adding things. I'm this, I'm that, I did this, I did that, I've got this now. And now it's about unlearning. If I don't have those identities, who am I? And it seems like a scary place to be, but it ends up being a very powerful place to be. I mean, this verse used to mean something to me, but it means something completely different to me now. What does a man gain Mm. if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Mm. How many of us... Mm have forfeited our souls to gain what we realize, man, we get it. We're like, you know, I've told you guys that, that I met this pastor who um, played football at Penn State, I believe, mm. uh, and was a great player. Then he played for the Washington Redskins, I believe, and when they won the Super Bowl. Mm. And he said he was in a locker room, there was a Super Bowl trophy, something like that, but he was saying that he looked at it and he realized he'd re- reached a pinnacle. There was no further mm. he could strive for. And this emptiness just came all over me. He was scared. Mm. Oh, my gosh. What do I do now? Mm. You know, and um, that I think of that, that, that verse. But I know that if, and I, this is really hard to say, and I'm facing this right now. This is complete vulnerability for me. Mm. If I was to lose everything, everything, mm. my reputation, what I do, you know, money, house, everything, wife, security, which, you know, which I lost my wife. Mm. And so um, I lost. So this year, in the last two years, I lost my wife. I lost mm. my marriage. I lost, the doctors told me I had a heart defect. I lost all security in my heart. I don't know how mm. any day could be my last. Mm. COVID came. I just was looking at every, everything that was secure for me. Mm. And, but if I lost everything, but I gained something that was everything, mm. would it be? And it would be. Mm. It would be. And sometimes when I let myself just sit and bask in that thought, yes. this peace comes over me that surpasses all understanding. Yeah. And then my ego creeps back in. Mm-hmm. And I start, because it's, it's fear. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start feeling fear, I know the ego has come back. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. And I think, too, that you know where, where we continue to fail ourselves as men is being... We were just, George and I were just having a um, conversation at a restaurant two nights ago, and this guy starts opening up about something, and then it just continues to unfold. And we're both looking at him not to give him answers, but we're just like, my goodness, I can only imagine what that feels like. But previously, you play golf, you do all these things. We've been doing stuff for three or four hours, and none of this stuff's talked about until someone opens up and says, hey, by the way, this is what I'm going through. Then before you know it, the floodgates open. And I think that um, that's something that I wanted to chat about with um, with you guys is what you've seen for men, um, whether it's George, I know you've taken a lot of men through uh, Preparing and Rich, which is a marital enrichment program um, that have probably had to face a lot of things. Scott, you see men come in through a store. So let's give some good news. Let's talk about some of the things that once they, once they can – remove some of those identities, what are some of the changes that you've seen in their own life that, um, that, that were surprising and positive to you? George, you can go first. I think it's connection with others. Mm. Um, a deeper experience of love and, and sharing love. Um, you mentioned anger earlier. <clears throat> it's fascinating to me how much that is wrapped up in what masculinity is. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of that in, just in 
relationships between uh, people that, you know, anger, you know, the Greeks called it uh, brief insanity. Mm. <laughs> and, um, but yet anger is so tied into what it means to be masculine. Now there are, and, and here's, here's what I discovered about anger and being a man. Um, I began to realize that there are things that should make me angry that I'm not angry enough about. Mm. And there are other things that, um, you know, they're just out of proportion. Mm. And um, so for me, I began to look at that more deeply. And, you know, uh, you can see it happen in relationships with people when they begin to see, oh, this anger leads me down a road that's totally mm. out of proportion. Like this doesn't get me to where I I, I want to be and hope to be. Yeah. And and then there's other kind of anger that, um, you know, and even the scriptures teach us that, you know, being angry is something that uh, it says, do not sin in your anger. So anger is something that we, that we should feel. Mm. But uh, often, you know, I see how anger can um, affect relationships and, and push people apart and does more damage. But it really is tied up to the male ego. A lot of the masculinity that I reject and try to not be like is one that first goes to anger, mm, right. <laughs> you know, and this anger that's just completely out of control and out of proportion. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah. And I think that one of the things that just to close out real fast, um, I think that, um, they were, there was a study done where, um, I think it was in the Terrence real book where they talked about, there was a, a, a boys that were raised in either same sex homes with two women or just women. And they were wondering, was there anything missing? And it turned out the boy ended up being completely masculine and insecure, um, in his masculinity, but also had those developed attributes. So I think the point is what we're really trying to, you know, get through is that, um, if you're out there and you're a guy, this is three guys that are in process, gone through the process and it does work and it does matter. Scott, do you want to close out with anything? Yeah, just, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. Mm. It does not matter how old you are. Um, find those men. Um, you know, I look at all that I had done over the last 20 some years working with people in community, but I even had to f move myself towards more intimate, close relationships with men. I realized that several years ago that, that I needed that, mm. that I was missing it. And what was holding me back was fear, mm. you know, that, that, you know, everybody has expectations. I mean, where am I going to find somebody safe? Right. Right. That the only expectation they would have of me is that I would be human mm. and I would be out to have a place to be authentic. And I found mm. those men and... Um, it's been life-changing. Mm, that's beautiful. Because once we open up, everyone opens up, and you realize that we've all been playing a game, and then we can start to heal together instead of playing that old game. And, and we do actually do find our soul. We find ourselves through each other. So we thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.